Hello and welcome to the Battle Cry podcast with Mark Meckler. Catch the original live broadcast Sunday nights at 8pm Eastern. Go to conventionofstates.com slash pod to learn more. And now, here's the Battle Cry with Mark Meckler. Hey everyone, Mark Meckler here and this is the Sunday Night Battle Cry, of course. I am your host and I'm glad to be with you. It's been a few weeks, I think. You know, I've been on the road a lot, like a crazy amount. And one of the things that happens is if I have to be on the road on Monday, if I have to be somewhere Monday morning, that means on Sundays, I'm gone. I don't like that because I don't like to be away from the family on Sunday. Sunday's kind of the Sabbath day for me. But, you know, got to do what you got to do when the war is on. And really, the war is on. And our theme for this week is don't go to sleep. You got to fight and you got to fight every single day. So when I'm out on the road, when I tell you, like, I'm leaving on Sunday night, and I'm out on the road, that means I'm in the fight every single day. I'll give you an example. This week, I'm leaving on Sunday. So we're pre-recording this battle cry for you because I'm going to be gone. I'm going to be on the road. I'm flying on Sunday. I come home on Wednesday. I'm home Thursday, and I leave Friday morning. And that's the kind of schedule you're looking at. It's a little bit crazy. I don't expect you guys to have that schedule in the fight. But I do really have expectations that you'll fight every day. The nation is at stake. We can't sleep. We can't rest. We saw some good things happen right over the last couple of weeks. We saw the Virginia election. We saw the New Jersey election. Good stuff happening. We see some school board stuff that's good, but that doesn't mean we can go to sleep. In fact, what that means is we have momentum. We have to fight harder. Why do we have to fight it? You've been hearing me say this. My tone has changed. When I travel now, I hear people over the last couple of months saying, Mark, I've noticed something on the battle cries in the last eight months or so, which is you're amped up. You're pissed off. You're frustrated. You're angry. I'm a pretty measured guy, and I don't do these things lightly. I think about what my tone is and my approach is. I'm not just reacting, and I am pissed off, and I am angry, and I am frustrated, and I am amped up, and I do believe right now in the United States of America, there's a war going on. There's a war going on between people who hate the United States of America, people who believe that the United States of America is a sinful nation at its heart, that it cannot ever be redeemed, that its ideas around which it's built are racist, that they're fundamentally bad, and those who believe that America is a fundamentally good nation that has been good for the world, that's based on fundamental foundational principles that are eternal and are good and that we are always striving to reach those principles. I hope you can guess which side I'm on. I think this nation is the greatest nation ever to exist in the history of mankind. There's no exception, really. We live the greatest life of any nation ever to exist in the history of mankind. Does that mean that we've never made mistakes? No, of course not. That would be ridiculous because we're human beings. We're flawed. We make mistakes and not just mistakes. We do really bad things. Sometimes the nation as a whole does bad things intentionally. Bad stuff. Slavery is a blemish on our history. We've done bad things. But the reality is, Overall, more people have been lifted out of poverty, more people have been lifted out of bondage, more people have been brought into freedom, more lives have been saved, lives improved by the United States of America than any country in world history. It's not even remotely arguable. Anybody who argues against that premise is simply delusional or lying. Maybe they're both. And maybe they're just straight up crazy. Maybe they've been deluded their whole lives. Maybe they've been lied to their whole lives, and so they believe a lie, but they misunderstand the fundamental truth that without America on the face of this earth, the light of liberty goes out. Who, who else? Who else is going to protect the light of liberty in the world? And the answer is 
Nobody else. Nobody has the capacity. Nobody has the creativity. Nobody has the economy. Nobody has the military. It's going to be up to you and me to preserve this nation, to preserve freedom, liberty in the world. So that's why I am fired up. I'm especially fired up this week because I've been watching this Kyle Rittenhouse trial. And there's a question that we have to ask ourselves in America now, which is, is the rule of law dead? If we don't have rule of law in the United States of America, if the law doesn't apply equally to everybody, if we can't understand that we'll be treated fairly by our justice system, then the country will die. And this is really important. And it's important whether you're black, whether you're white, whether you're rich, or whether you're poor. And what I'm seeing in the Rittenhouse trial is not anything according to the rule of law. What I see is a prosecutor who, in my opinion, though they have sovereign immunity, I'd throw them in jail if they didn't have sovereign immunity. Prosecutors have absolute sovereign immunity. We need to deal with that. But what I think is this guy should absolutely be disbarred. There is no doubt he is prosecuting a case where the evidence for self-defense is so absolutely 100% undeniably clear. And as a professional prosecutor, he knows that. And he's doing things in court that are absolutely unconstitutional. He got chastised by the judge this week. Why? I want you to think about this because you'll understand this even if you're not a lawyer. Because he questioned the defendants, Kyle Rittenhouse's right to remain silent. And he brought that before the jury. And he questioned why he remained silent after he was arrested. This is a fundamental constitutional right against self-incrimination. It is well-established law that you have the right to remain silent and that judges, the courts have ruled consistently that you cannot comment on somebody's decision to remain silent and imply guilt because they remain silent. And he was chastised by the judge. The judge told him point blank that he is over the constitutional line, that he is committing grave constitutional error. This guy's an experienced prosecutor. Like, this is no first trial for this guy. This is no first year for this guy. I've seen comments from him where he talks about doing 13 trials a year. I mean, this is an experienced trial attorney prosecutor, and he knows he's committing grave constitutional error, and he doesn't care because this case is nothing if not about politics. And I don't, be honest with you, I don't even understand the politics, really. You've got a white guy, Kyle Rittenhouse, a white kid who was 17 at the time, who shot in absolute self-defense. You can watch the video for yourself. It's very clear. Shot three people in self-defense. Two of them died. You got a white guy, three white people who were shot by this guy in self-defense, and somehow this is a racial issue. And the left's turning it into a racial issue. He's a white supremacist, right? Somehow he shouldn't have been there, but the other white guys that were there who were burning, looting, rioting, criminals, one of them actually a convicted child molester, one of them a spousal abuser, these were all criminals, right? all Antifa types, all people who were there to do damage, one of them armed, the guy that was shot but not killed. And somehow this has become about Kyle Rittenhouse being a white supremacist. No evidence he's a white supremacist, no evidence he's a racist, no evidence that he held any racial animus. This is not about the rule of law, this is a mob. This is an attempt at mob justice. This prosecutor is committing, he is the point of the spear, committing mob justice against Kyle Rittenhouse. And I pray to God that we see Kyle Rittenhouse acquitted. Now, I want to be completely fair, which is there is a charge, which I think he can be convicted on, which is it's a misdemeanor charge. He was a minor in possession of a weapon. He was 17 years old at the time. He was not entitled to be in possession of that weapon. Uh, I think maybe there was a straw man purchase involved. The bottom line is I always want to be straight with you. All the stuff that we're going to say that he can't not be convicted of, 
manslaughter, murder, none of that stuff. It was clearly self-defense, but probably possession of a weapon. Now, maybe, and hopefully at this point, the judge just declares a mistrial with prejudice, which means he can't be retried. And by the way, what the left is threatening at this point is there will be riots. There will be buildings burned. There will be property damage. There will possibly be violence against person, against people, right? That's what the left is promising. That's mob violence. That's not the rule of law. We stand for the rule of law. We stand for not having prosecutors abuse anybody, white, black, it doesn't matter. That's what we stand for, rule of law. These people are anti-rule of law, and we are seeing the rule of law on trial here in the Rittenhouse trial. You should be paying attention closely and carefully. All right, I also want to talk about stuff coming out of the White House. You look at what's coming out of the White House now, you know, it's, I guess you could say it's, you know, Biden flatulence, <laughs> the global warming summit. I mean, we did see that. So that's coming maybe not out of the White House, maybe coming out of Joe Biden. Uh, I mean, really bizarre stuff. The president can't control his bowels in front of the Duchess of Windsor. That's odd stuff. I mean, it, I, I hate to laugh at it. It's kind of funny. But I also think it's telling. It tells where Joe Biden is at in his life. Joe Biden should be in a rest home. He should be in a care facility. He should be surrounded by his family, not running or allegedly running the most powerful nation on earth. And because Joe Biden is in the condition he's in, we have Bidenflation, right? It really is. It's caused by Joe Biden. They're pumping trillions of dollars into the economy, heating up the economy. This is just monetary policy. If you talk to economists, inflation is a result of monetary policy. When you pump all these dollars into the economy, you're going to get inflation prices are going to rise. There's more cash than goods. Com combine that with the supply chain crisis, also partially created by Biden, certainly created by the leftists, the leftists who control the labor unions, who control the ports, who are now backed up beyond belief, backed up more than any time in human history. They say maybe a year-long backlog now at our ports. That's created by the left. It's, it's helped by the Biden administration who supports all those labor unions. We got a disaster there. That's driving up prices. We got Biden shutting down oil production in the United States of America, driving up gas prices. And then you have Joe Biden this week talking about, can you believe it? $4 gas. Have you seen how high gas is getting? You caused it, you senile old blank. You caused it. You're the reason gas prices are up. And then he says he's going to have his AG investigate whether the oil companies are, are price gouging. Are you kidding me? You caused it, you moron. And I call him a moron, and I probably shouldn't because I don't think he even knows what's going on. I don't think these policies are necessarily Joe Biden's policies. I think like, hey, Mr. President, this is what we're going to do. You need to sign here. You need to say these things. You need to read the teleprompter. And he says, all right, where's my pudding? I, really, I mean, I really think that's where we're at. I don't think he has any idea what's actually going on. He is not cogent. He doesn't understand the policies he's pursuing. That's not to say he wouldn't do them if he wasn't, if he was cogent. I still think he would. And, you know, he is a tyrant. He's always been a tyrant. He's always been a jerk. He's always been abusive to people who disagree with him. He loves exercising power. It's what he's done his entire life. He's never worked for a regular paycheck. He's never actually signed a paycheck. He's never owned a business. He's lived at the government teat his entire life outrageous. And so a guy like that who loves to exercise power is totally comfortable with the exercise of power. You know, of course, he's going to suffer from vaccine mandate-itis, right? He can't help himself. It's a disease. It's a power exercising disease. And he's going to have to exercise power. 
This is what they do. They want to exercise power over you. Doesn't affect them, right? With the Biden inflation, do you think Joe Biden cares if milk is more expensive? When was the last time Joe Biden bought milk? Like, never? Hey, do you think Joe Biden cares if gas is $4? And by the way, uh, President Biden, some places in California, it's seven bucks a gallon, you idiot. You clueless moron. You've got all these people in government. They're making good money. They live in Washington, D.C. Most of them taking the subway or riding black limousines to work. They don't care what gas costs. They don't care if you pay gas. You have the Biden administration actually proposing somebody who went to school in the Soviet Union to oversee our banks, who says she wants to bankrupt oil and gas producers so that you will pay more money for oil and gas. They don't care about you. And in fact, I'm going to go one step further. They hate you. They despise you. You're the unwashed masses. That's how they see you. You're morons. You're uneducated. You're dumb. You're simple. You just don't get it. You just need to give them power over your own life, not only over the economy, which they've taken, which is hurting you and your family and me and everyone else, but they also want power over your health. They, will, they propose this vaccine mandate. They're forcing companies over 100 people to vaccinate, vaccinate their employees, to put a mandate on their employees. A completely, totally, absolutely unconstitutional. I don't think there's any doubt about this. Fifth Circuit already seems to agree. They put a halt to this. They put a hold on it. The government went back in, asked them to release the holds, and people are going to die because of this. Oh, my God. And the reality is, no. Anybody who wants the vaccine is going to get the vaccine. Anybody who doesn't, isn't going to. The mandate, they, they say, you know what? You can do whatever you want. We're going to take everything you have, your ability to go out in public, your ability to have a job, but make your own choices, right? Yeah, make your own choice, and then we'll take everything you have. And then what's your choice? This is what they're doing with this vaccine mandate. Fifth Circuit says no. I think you're going to see other circuits say no. I've heard that on the 16th, just a few days from now, what we're going to see is we're going to see the courts are going to do what they call a district lottery, a district court or circuit court lottery, and you're going to see which circuit it ends up in. Could end up in a positive circuit, like the fifth, could end up in a bad circuit, potentially the ninth, which is actually now a split circuit, not the worst in the country. So it's going to end up in a circuit. The circuit court's going to hear the case. They're either going to let the mandate go forward, in which case it gets immediately appealed to SCOTUS, or they're going to hold the mandate, in which case the administration is going to appeal it to SCOTUS one way or another. This case is ending up at the Supreme Court. Vaccine manditis, mask-itis, this cultural psychosis, it's a disease, and it's only going to be stopped by you. It's going to be stopped by you speaking out, by you fighting every single day. You cannot rest from this fight. The country hangs in the balance. The future for your kids and your grandkids, your friends, your neighbors, our posterity hangs in the balance. You cannot stop fighting. Not, not for a day. You can't stop. We got to be in the fight. Mark Meckler is fighting every day to call the first ever Article 5 Convention of States to drain the swamp once and for all. Join Mark and millions of other Americans by signing the official petition at conventionofstates.com slash pod. And now back to the show. You know, here's another thing that's going on. If you look, the entire world is going to hell in a handbasket, right? So we have Afghanistan. And don't forget Afghanistan. That's still part of the fight. There are still Americans in Afghanistan, stuck in Afghanistan. By the way, women can't go to school anymore. Women can't vote. Women can't drive. Women can't go out with men accompanying them. Well done, President Biden. 19 million women now subjugated in Afghanistan, thanks to President Biden. 
go women's rights, right? That's this administration pro women, right? Yeah. How's that working out for the women in Afghanistan? Y'all don't give a damn, do you? You don't. And we should, and we do, and we were doing the right thing there and you ruined it. This is your foreign policy, 13 Americans dead. Their blood will always be on your hands. I hope you have nightmares about that at night. Probably not. You're probably too heavily sedated or you don't even know that it happened. But the bottom line is a abs an absolute disaster on the international stage. That's America now. We've gone from a very strong, muscular foreign policy. People were worried about crossing us to now. They know we are no threat. Look what's going on in Yemen right now. Houthi rebels have now overrun the American consulate. They've taken hostages and they're holding hostages in the consulate. And what are we doing about it? You know, uh, I heard that the Biden administration issued a statement which basically said, you bad people, you need to give us back those hostages and any of the stuff you took, we want you to return that right away, right now, because we're mad. We're just kicking mad. That's really, basically, that's been our response. Unbelievable. And we're gonna see more of this all over the world because weakness, shows that we can be attacked. Weakness shows that people can abuse us and we won't do anything. This is going to be the Biden legacy on the international stage. It's going to be Afghanistan. It's going to be subjugated women. It's going to be American hostages. It's going to be a reduction of American power. Meanwhile, China is building a more and more muscular military. They're going to stand against us all over the world. They're threatening Taiwan and Russia is now threatening Ukraine. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an invasion of Taiwan during the Biden administration. I wouldn't be surprised if we see an invasion of Ukraine by Russia during the Biden administration. After all, if you're a hostile foreign power and those things are in your guidebook and your plan book and you want to do those things, why wouldn't you do it right now? In fact, I wouldn't be surprised to see Russia and China cooperate and do those things at the same time. Because what in God's name is Joe Biden's military going to do about that? I know what they're going to do about it. They're going to make sure there are plenty of male Marines dressed in skirts to scream and yell about what happened. That's what they're going to do. That's what they're promoting, right? Transgenderism in the military or whatever their thing is. That's how we're going to promote troop readiness. No, I know what we're going to do. Let's drum a bunch of Navy SEALs out of the Navy, refusing to give them religious exemptions to the vaccine mandate because we don't need SEALs. I mean, those are the guys that actually go and fight, right? Those are the guys that actually go and do the dirty deeds that you and I don't want to do, that we don't even want to know about, the men and women that are willing to fight in a way that has to be done to keep the world safe. Let's just drum them out of the military. Let's give them dishonorable discharges, says Joe Biden. Not only dis dishonorable discharges, but they say they're gonna make them pay for their own military training be millions of dollars. It's absolutely insane. It's not good for America. And you and I, what do we have to do? Don't go to sleep. We have to fight. We have to be at war against this stuff. We don't really have a choice. I mean, we do have a choice. If we don't fight, we will lose the country. I'm going to fight. That's why I'm on the road. That's why I'm coming to you. That's why I'm recording this particular battle cry in advance, because I won't be here with you Sunday night, because I'm going to be on the road. So if I'm going to be on the road, I got an obligation to come to you. By the way, I'm just going to tell you in the next year, what you're going to see is personally, me and COS, we're going to do a lot more. We're going to reach a lot further. We're going to be engaged in a lot more things. We're going to be involved in a lot more fights because you have asked us to, because you've built, you've helped us build the largest self-governing grassroots army in American history. That's you. 
you are that army. When other organizations tell you that they have this good grassroots army, they, they have grassroots. I love them. God bless anybody with grassroots. But you are part of the largest self-governing grassroots army in American history. You are in every single state legislative district in the United States of America. You're in every single congressional district in the United States of America. And you are having an effect. How do I know you're having an effect? Look at what you did in Virginia. Look, our grassroots, to the extent of the law that they were able to, were engaged in the elections in Virginia, doing get out the vote, calling people, trying to get them out. Whatever they could do, they were engaged in whatever way they legally could. And what you saw was a swing in the House of Delegates. I, everybody knows about the governor's race. Everybody knows about the lieutenant governor's race. Everybody knows about the attorney general's race. The thing that I think not enough people paid attention to that we think is incredibly important, we're going to see this all across the country in 2022, is state elections, state legislative elections, House of Delegates, House of Representatives, Assemblies, Senates, all across the country going to be up for election. And I know you guys are going to be out there participating in those things. To the extent that the law allows us, we're going to be doing that as well. Really, I want to emphasize to you guys, we're super careful about how we're allowed to do those things. There are limitations. It's different in every state. We're very careful about this stuff. We ask that you do the same. But in Virginia, the House flips. A COS activist is actually elected to the House of Delegates. And now what you have is a result where the House of Delegates has flipped. All three statewide offices have flipped. And now I think what will happen in 23, I'm guessing the Senate flips as well. The Democrats have a one-seat majority in the Senate. I'm guessing that flips in 2023. They're off your elections. I know you guys are going to be involved in that. I'm going to be praying for that. You're going to be in the fight. You're not going to sleep. You're going to be preparing for that election today, starting right now, not waiting until election season. This is a problem that Republicans have engaged in for all of time, basically, is they fight elections only during election season. Y'all have to be out there knocking on doors, talking to people, working with candidates, finding candidates, raising money, all the stuff that you can do as citizen activists, you have to be doing year round. We can't rest. America's at stake. We don't rest when America's at stake. In New Jersey, it was incredible, right? Governor's race comes down to a very, very narrow margin. I will tell you, the polling is so bad and so dishonest that I think if we got in there and polled earlier, if Trafalgar had got in there a little bit earlier and pulled the reality, that race could have turned Republican. Because we're told all along, oh, that's it's an easy damn win. It's an easy damn win. Uh, Chirelli can't possibly can't Chitterelli can't possibly win that race, but he made it close. And you know, we had a New Jersey Senate race that was absolutely incredible. You guys have heard about this. The Senate president is defeated by a truck driver. One of our own, a guy who signed the COS petition in 2020, Ed Durr, goes out, decides he's going to do something, and he's going to run. And I love this guy, man. I saw an interview with him that was so incredible. Somebody asked him, what's the first thing you're going to do when you get into the Senate? You know what he said? I don't know. I don't know anything about being a senator. But I can tell you one thing. People are going to hear me because I'm going to speak my mind and I'm going to do it loudly and I'm going to represent the people that I was sent to represent. This is a citizen activist, a COS activist who is now going to be a state senator in New Jersey. New Jersey. New Jersey. You guys could take New Jersey, right? This is not limited to quote unquote red states. The bottom line is the American people are sick and tired of wokeness. The American people are sick and tired of all this crap going on at the state level, at the state legislative level, at the school board level. Look in Virginia and the school boards. This is a great one for you guys to know. 
COS, again, engaged everywhere we possibly can. You guys are engaged. So in Virginia, in Loudoun County, sort of the center of the school board fight all across America, where this woke insanity was first exposed by our friend Ian Pryor. Ian called us the week before the election. He said, hey, I need some help. There's five school board members. One passed away. One resigned, Beth Bartz, who was the worst of them, the worst of the wokists. There's three more, and we're going to recall them. One had already qualified for the recall. There were two more we need to qualify. And he said, I'm worried we're not going to get enough petitions by the time of the election. He said, do you have activists who might be willing to help? <laughs> do we have activists that might be willing to help? Of course we do. That's what you guys are. This is where your power is. This is why you're so different. This is why you're so amazing. So we put out the call to our, to our activists in Virginia. Can you go to the polls in Loudoun County, can you be there as a volunteer with a clipboard collecting petition signatures? And Ian was overwhelmed with volunteers. You answered the call. You went out there and you collected enough signatures to qualify them all, I believe, is what's about to happen. So all of them now qualified for recall and they're going to get recalled. And it was beautiful. I had one of the volunteers. I saw a message on Slack that said it was a joy to watch the Democrats faces of shock as every person came out of the polls wanted to sign those recall petitions. So phenomenal job in New Jersey, phenomenal job in Virginia. And I am looking forward to witnessing the 2022 elections because I know you guys are going to do this all over the country. I want to talk a little bit about my travel this week because I traveled a whole bunch this last week and I traveled from Austin and I was going to Harrisburg, Pennsylvania to testify in the legislature. And I got on a flight in Austin uh, last Sunday night and uh, so a week ago, and it was a late evening flight. I was going to arrive in Harrisburg after midnight. So everybody gets on the flight. I'm on the flight. Everybody's boarded on the flight. And all of a sudden I see, and some of you might've seen this on my Instagram, and you can look there if you didn't. Uh, my Instagram's just at Mark Meckler. Uh, actually, real Mark Meckler, I think. And if you, if you look, what you're going to see is a picture of a cop, Austin Police Department, in black, in body armor, with a face mask, with a black hat, a black beanie on, I mean, it looks like riot police, Stasi, secret police. Looks like his identity is hidden. I mean, it's intimidating. Absolutely. He's fully armed, stun gun, you know, taser, full firearm on. He looks scary. Baton in the back of the belt sticking out. It's really weird. I look back. I see a guy standing up and back. I can't really tell what's going on. It's not a big commotion. Nobody yelling, no gesticulating going on. And the guy who's standing up looks like, you know, he's... The reason they call the police, obviously, is he's very intimidating. Or maybe he just looks like your grandpa, which is really the deal. Gray hair, thinning hair, like a polo shirt, golf shirt, maybe khaki slacks. I mean, it just looked like somebody's grandpa was going somewhere. Maybe he was going to visit his grandkids. I don't know. That flight was headed to Detroit. I don't know where he was going. Maybe he's going to visit his grandkids. Maybe he's traveling on business, right? Maybe he's just a business executive or a sales guy or whatever. But apparently he was not compliant enough in regard to the mask. And so they brought the police on. Then they said we had to clear the plane. So they cleared all of us off the plane, and which was really weird. And I stuck around. I stayed in my seat for a while to see what was going on. Again, I walked, looked back. There were a couple of flight attendants back there. No screaming, no yelling, no gesticulating. And as I cleared the plane, they had a whole bunch more of these police officers coming on. All black uniforms, full body armor, guns, tasers, batons for this guy. I, I don't, I didn't understand it. I got off the plane. Eventually they haul this guy off the plane, literally. 
for non-compliance and they've got four cops around him. It looks like he's probably cuffed. I didn't see his hands, so I didn't want to say that, but I, you know, I see his arms behind his back. And as they lead him off the plane, he's shouting, don't let them do this to you. Don't let them do this to us. I got to be honest with you. I, I've seen this happen, but never personally. I've seen the videos. I've seen this stuff. I know this stuff is going on, but I've not seen it there face to face. You know, I wanted to do something. I'm the kind of person that does something. I wanted to intervene in some way, but what, you know, I'm gonna, I'm being honest with you. It's kind of humiliating. I felt powerless. What would I step up and stop the police? What am I going to do? They're just going to arrest me. They're just going to take me away. Like they're taking this guy away. What am I, what am I going to do? And in that moment, I felt powerless humiliated. I, it's hard to describe what it's like to, to witness that and to be there in that moment. I thought they're, they're ruining this guy's life. He's never going to be able to fly again. He's now going to be like some designated terrorist because, yeah, he's so scary. Maybe he can't visit his grandkids anymore. Maybe he loses his job. They're ruining his life over a friggin' mask. For a mask that we know doesn't do a damn thing. The studies show those damn paper masks they make all of us wear, 10% effective at best. <coughs> Theater. It's tyranny. And it was ugly to witness it up close. And, you know, I'm already angry about this stuff, but to, to be right there, to watch them do that to somebody. And then the worst part, to listen to the passengers either laughing at him and mocking him or complaining that he should just go along. They wanted him to be a sheep, and he wasn't. And he paid the price. And I wish I knew who he was. And, sir, to you, my hat's off. I wish I knew who you were. I wish I could help. I wish I could have done something. It affected me. This is the nation we live in now. I don't mean to be overly dramatic, but they hauled that guy off the plane. They made an example of him so that you and me and everybody else on that plane would just go along. So that we would shut the F up and we would just be sheep like they want us to be. So that we would do what they tell us, even though we know and they know and everybody knows that it's fake. That the emperor has no clothes. These damn masks don't do a goddamn thing. And they know it, and you know it, and I know it. All the stewardesses and stewards know it. The captains know it. The TSA knows it. The government knows it. The scientists know it. They're going to make you do it anyway. Might as well take a lipstick container and just draw a big X across your face. That's the kind of stupidity that this represents, and, and we're all forced to do it. Tyranny is real. It's not just a word. It's here. The Marxists are here and they're in control. And they're going to demand more and more of you. They're going to demand you take a knee. They're going to demand you uh, repeat their religious liturgies. Wear the mask. Don't be a conservative. Don't wear your faith on your sleeve. Don't say that you're a Christian. Don't say that you're a God-fearing person. Don't bring that stuff in public. You're not allowed to. That's what they're going to demand of you. And they're going to crush you into a smaller and smaller space until you simply obey. Until it's like East Germany. Until it's like the Soviet Union. 
it's like Venezuela in the modern era or Cuba, where you know you don't know who's spying on you, you don't know who's going to report you. That's what they're shooting for. And my call to you is don't let that happen. Stand, fight, wake up, be in the fight every day, run for school board, support candidates, go to protests. Don't wear a mask in the airport. Don't wear a mask in the grocery store. If you don't want to be vaccinated, don't be vaccinated. Take a stand. Lose your job if you have to. I know that sounds bad and big, and it's easy for me to say because I'm not losing my job, but we have got to take a stand or we're going to lose our country. It's that simple. A couple of questions before we close out. I'm a little bit over. Uh, Somebody says, Tater says, I'm in Minnesota's first district. How can I help? Hey, look. Tater, Minnesota, here's the deal. What's going on in Minnesota is it's a split legislature, and that legislature needs to be taken back by people who believe the way we believe. And so you need to be engaged in politics at your state legislative district level. Join the Convention of States team. Folks will tell you how they're involved in the fight there. Sharon Carroll says, what are the prospects in Virginia now for COS? I think they're a lot better, obviously. The House is now controlled by conservatives. Uh, we obviously we don't need the governor, the lieutenant governor, or the attorney general to sign on, but it shows that the tide has shifted. So I think the prospects are a lot better, but we've got to uh, win the Senate with people who will support us. Marilyn Hughes says, I've been watching the simulated convention states. Can they use the work they did on those amendments in the real convention of states? The answer is absolutely yes. We're also going to be excited to know we're working on talking about planning for another simulated convention. I've been getting so much demand for that uh, that it's I'm not ready to announce that we're going to do it, but it's on the way. Okay, last but not least, Debbie Henson-Williams wants to know where can I get a t-shirt? Go to conventionofstates.com, click on the store. You can go conventionofstates.com forward slash store. Producer G's got that up on the screen. Again, conventionofstates.com forward slash store. Lots of cool t-shirts. This is I Will Not Comply with the Will of Tyrants. We have a defiant t-shirt. Uh, we have another t-shirt that says come and make me with a hypodermic on it, kind of the Texas slogan, right? Be defiant, be outwardly defiant. Again, wake up. Stand up, be in the fight every single day. I'm with you. I'm traveling. I'll probably see you on the road somewhere soon. God bless you guys. We'll see you next week on the Battle Cry. This has been the podcast version of the Battle Cry with Convention of States Action President Mark Meckler. Check out more content at conventionofstates.com pod and become part of the solution that's as big as the problem. Thank you for listening.